Welcome to Gross Anatomy. So, Lauren, are we live? We're live, Dr. Cohen. We're live, Lauren. We're live with Gross Anatomy, right? Mm-hmm. What do we do there? We explore the sights, sounds, and smells of medicine and how it pertains to pop culture, movies, books, TV, and the world around us. And the world around us. And I am Dr. Jason Cohen. And I'm Lauren Taylor. And today we have a special guest. Special guest. Someone neither of us know. Right. So the first time meeting. First Um, time meeting. Very exciting. New friend. Dr. Christopher Liu, MD, PhD. Welcome to Gross Anatomy. Thanks, guys. I'm really happy to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Your your extra letters intimidate me. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, uh, the... um, I saw all your followers on Instagram and I was um, actually, um, you know, intimidated by your Instagram following and channel. Thanks. Ooh, we're we're, we're trying and it's not I'll, live, so there's no reason to be nervous. I'll trade you some, some followers for those extra letters. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> yeah. Very impressive. I'm, I'm very envious. So if you don't mind, we're going to start kind of a little bit from the beginning, if you're okay with that. Yeah, uh, to your to your birth. <laughs> <laughs> so where where are you from? Where were you born? Actually, uh, I, I I was born in uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Um, Ooh, born in seventy eight, and then um, when I was three months old, my um, my my dad was in uh, healthcare, so he was um, in research. So he he worked at UConn and then got a job at um, UT Houston. So uh, I grew up in Houston and um, grew up at- around the Texas Medical Center. You moved at three months old? Well, I didn't, but my, my parents did. <laughs> they they left off. you, you mean? You didn't move? <laughs> no. <laughs> so little known fact, I almost wound up at University of Connecticut. Um, and just the way we take our deviations, and uh, I was all set to do a trauma critical care fellowship at University uh-huh. of Connecticut, Hartford. And on a whim, I went out to Cedar sinai to do a cancer surgery fellowship, and the rest is history. And now I'm in LA. So, uh-huh. so you grew up in Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Southern boy, so. Uh, right. Nice. Yeah. I don't hear the twang yet. I'm going to try to listen no. <laughs> for it. No, I'm from Oklahoma. I don't think I have a twang, so I, yeah. I get the Texas Oklahoma thing. Yeah. Right. As a, so I'll let, as I'll let you guys speak twangish a little while. <laughs> twangish. I, exactly. It's hard not to have that twang. Yeah. Right. We're good. Yeah. Were you always I, uh, a science kid? Yeah, I was a science kid. Um, you know, I grew up around science. Um, I grew up, you know, back then, um, my parents encouraged my brother and myself to go into medicine, become doctors, you know, achieve financial stability, security, social status. So I I followed that path. Did your brother uh, also? uh, Yeah. Yeah. My brother is, he's attending at uh, UT Southwestern in anesthesiology. I went to, we both went to Baylor for medical school. Uh, I went to um, Rutgers in orthopedics and, um, uh, like I said, uh, I've always been an outsider, so I didn't realize it till later on. And I've always been an entrepreneur, so I really, really didn't really follow mainstream followings. So um, it was luckily when I was uh, in graduate school, medical school, I started uh, investing in real estate and investing in stocks and trading options. So as a medical student, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Were doing you doing school. it just for fun or were you doing it because you had friends who were doing it and you were trying to keep up with them or? Well, it, it first started out so that I could, you know, generate some side income so I could, you know, go out, travel, you know. How much money did you start with? 
Uh, well, I started out with uh, fifty thousand. So um, wow, where'd you get fifty thousand yeah. from? Yeah. Bar mitzvah money? Well, <laughs> sorry, uh, from what? Did you get it from bar mitzvah money? <laughs> no, actually, uh, part of it was um, from my uh, mom's uh, life insurance when she passed away. So um, oh shoot, yeah. Holy so cow. how old was yeah. your mom when she died? Uh, she passed away when she was uh, thirty nine, and uh, I was, yeah. was yeah. And, how old were you? I was 11. Wow. What'd she die of? Uh, metastatic cancer. Um, what kind? Uh, breast. Wow. So wow. Treated, treated at MD Anderson. I think now the therapies are really advanced. So, you know, the outcomes are a lot better. Um, wow. Was it, she was, it was diagnosed late? Yeah, late. And um, so that was my impetus for going into medical school was just because my, my mom had passed away. So wow. thought, you know, that was a good reason. Um, but it really yeah. wasn't my passion. It really wasn't, you know, what I really wanted to do. So I had to slowly, you know, depart from that paradigm. So as a high school student, you were going to be a doctor to try to, because of mom or to try to be, to get a good job. What was your thinking? It was, it was a combination. So, um, you know, one of but it you was weren't to, in love, but you weren't in love with medicine. You just thought you should be a doc. Yeah. I mean, I was an Asian kid. I grew up in an Asian household. You know, you're, you're taught to you either become a doctor or you go into finance or law or dentistry. You know. Same with the Jews. The Jews <laughs> were pretty much the same way. Either yeah. doctor, lawyer, and if you were an idiot, you became an accountant. That's a Jackie, that's a Jackie Mason joke. That's not my joke. Explain that to someone who is neither and who didn't grow up with like doctors or lawyers as parents. Like, do you guys just are your parents really strict? Do you just study all the time? Like, what was the path to becoming a doctor? Oh, uh, well, are you asking me or Dr. Coat? I'm asking you. Oh, okay. Oh. She doesn't care about me, but I'm going to give my answer anyway <laughs> after you go. I mean, basically, um, you know, it's go to school, get good grades, um, listen to your teacher, um, you know, go to Ivy League school, um, go to, you know, the standard path. Um, and, you know, it's, it's good. I mean, it's pretty standard. It keeps you out of trouble. Um, and it, you know, gives you a, a good stable path, um, for life. So, um, I think that my parents beat me. That's, that's kind of yeah. how I was able to do it, <laughs> <laughs> well. but, but it's true. No, there, you know, there's something to be said about the medical field in that, um, as long as you could do it and work hard, you'll always be able to earn a certain kind of income. You're, you're not going to necessarily be rich, but you'll, you'll yeah. be able to kind of make ends meet kind of yeah. thing and provide. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of, it, it's a bit of an immigrant mentality a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. um, mm. and, yeah, I think, you know, immigrants come and they want their children. They see that if they really work hard and become a doctor or a lawyer, they'll be, they'll be okay kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of how my, my family was too. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of similarities between Jews and Asians in terms of children, upbringing, and, and that work ethic a little bit. Yeah, culture, just basically uh, come to America. It's the land of freedom, opportunity. Um, make what you can. If you can't make it here, then I, you know, I can't make it anywhere else. I mean, here's Frank Sinatra. That's Sinatra's <laughs> song, right? Uh, can, oh, well, that's New York. You know, it's up yeah. to you, New York, New York. Yeah. So, so, but science and medicine weren't a passion. Is that what you're saying? I mean, I was good at I was good at science. I was good at I was good at taking tests. The thing I loved about science was that it was very creative. You know, you set your own schedule. You work hard. Um, but did the thing you, is, did you have a passion though yet in high school? Did you? 
Well, I mean, my passion was uh, like like science. Uh, my passions were in a, a lot of it was reading, like self development. Uh, I was really passionate about music and the arts, but you know, these were only hobbies. So you know, right. these, these were never um, pathways towards a uh, uh, success. These were always deemed as secondary. Right. Well, what you, in terms of? Go ahead, Lauren. Sorry. So, if you had told your dad that you wanted to be like an artist or a musician, would he have been angry about yeah. that decision? Yes. So you never uh, even brought it up? Yeah. I mean, it was basically, uh, you're going to be a doctor. And um, if you don't, we're going to have issues. So you sort of like, in, in a sense, it was good because it, it kept me out of trouble. I think um, mm-hmm. if I didn't have that guidance, I, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have developed that work ethic. So um, work ethic. What in terms like, of the arts were you interested in? Uh, music, writing, a lot of, now is, um, a lot of my um, creative endeavors are in um, media, like vi- um, uh, videos, uh, podcasting, uh, audio. Oh. So, yeah. Lauren's brother is a, an amazing uh, visual artist. He's a painter. He's, he's, oh, wow. And sculptor also. He, uh-huh. he actually, we had him as a guest on one of our, on one oh, of our awesome. podcasts. He, he's amazing. He, he goes by Painted Pulse, right? Painted Pulse. Okay. Yeah, and- he really is a phenomenal artist. Oh wow! I I love art. Um, I I go to the uh, fine arts museum all the time. I love Van Gogh, um, just the impressionist paintings. Um, so it's it gives me good solace to to see art, and uh, yeah. so. What's that, Lauren? I'm saying I miss the museums being open unless they just open. <laughs> they still closed in LA. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Um, so you went to med school though. Yep. Pleasing dad, as as did I to some degree. And uh-huh. where'd you go to med school? Uh, Baylor, down in Houston, Texas. Right. And so while you were there, you said, hey, let me take this inheritance from mom mm-hmm. and, and see what I could do with it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I had that. Um, I took out a little bit of student loans because a lot of the loans were um, subsidized, so I didn't have to pay interest. And I just started, uh, back then, was started med school in 2000, and that was right when the it was things were like booming so uh, all the way from 06 or 2000 to 06 was when the you know the market was hot were you just doing basic stock trading or were you doing options what were you doing uh i was doing options trading and then i was uh inv- and then i, w- I had a long-term strategy where i invested in stocks so um it's basically buy and hold did you have a friend or or a mentor who was kind of helping you or just kind of winging it figuring it out Oh yeah, I uh, I actually start. That's why I, I started small, so I didn't risk a lot. So it was more so I could like you know hang out with my friends, you know, extra side income, and uh, so that way I learned how to trade and invest safely, so I didn't lose a lot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then even with the options, yeah. Back then, I mean, pretty much back then from two thousand to 06, I mean, you bought a call. Everything option. went up. Yeah, yeah, it was it was crazy. It was just. And then, but then after 2008, it's been a, a wild ride. You know, it's like right. up and down, up down. So, but I got lucky how much then. money? How much money was the most you made on a single option trade back then? Oh, oh, back then, man, it was like sometimes five figures. You know, uh, like high five figures, and that was like in like uh, like a week, two weeks. So, did you ever lose anything? Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, of what course, was the most you lost. What was the uh, most you lost? Most, I mean, five figures sometimes. Yeah, yeah I mean, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this so. is all while you're going through residency? Like you're, you're doing this or no? Uh, no, uh, it's through medical school. Medical so, school, okay. Yeah. Did and, you turn that 50 into something or it pretty much yeah. stayed 50? No, it, it, uh, it grew. I actually multiplied it um, uh, uh, eight times. So I, I multiplied it eight times. 
So what is that? That's like 400,000 pretty much? Yeah. And nice. That, yeah. And that was when I was 29 years old. I was wow. impressed I was able to multiply. Was that good? I, I was able to multiply there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, and I used, I mean, back then, like you could buy a two bedroom, two bath condo, like really nice for, you know, uh, less than a hundred thousand. So, yeah. and even then back then I didn't take a loan out uh, because, but back then banks were like lending very easily. So easy. Um, it was crazy. Yeah. You just had crazy. to sign your name and say you were a doctor. Yeah, exactly. So I bought uh, I bought two properties there and um, I rented that out. In Texas, yeah. Did you know yeah. that, Lauren? It's crazy. In the early 2000s, I, I did it a little bit too. I wound up getting hurt in the, in the bubble, you know, the, the uh-huh. market bubble. But you were able to borrow as a doctor. <laughs> you could just say, you could just say, I make $10 million a year. And by signing your name, they would lend you the money. It was that pathetic. It was crazy. Right? Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. And, and that's pretty much why, what, what was the movie? Um, I know that's what I was thinking of. I didn't oh. know it at the time, but I know it because of that movie. Is it too big right. to fail? Or, no, that's a different movie. No, no, no. Um, it's the movie with, um, we're thinking of the same movie with the money ball guy. Yeah. yeah. With Brad Pitt. Where, where there's, yeah. you know, the, the big characters, short, right? The big oh, short. Yeah. Big short. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that movie short. basically sums up exactly what yeah. happened. Like everybody and their mother was doing it. The stripper from that movie <laughs> yeah, you know, was talking about how she, houses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a little bit of timing. So you, you, so you, it sounds like timing wise did pretty yeah. well. It was good timing. Yeah. And then. Then, but then again, you know, all of these were side stuff. So, it's, you know, the always the end goal was you're going to become a practicing doctor. So, what made just, you decide to do orthopedics? Orthopedic. Well, the thing was, I was always into athletics. So, I like that. I, I had, uh, you know, I really, uh, I'm a no nonsense type of guy. So, I don't really like um, debating things. I just like getting things done. I like the um, immediacy, you know, you could get people up and walking again. So, I like that. Um, and the other, then the, the main thing was that it, it it was high paying. So it you know, right. paid very well. So but it's long um, training. It's yeah, exactly. Exactly. Long training. How many and, years? Uh, it was, it was actually five years and then plus a year of fellowship. So yeah. And I have an interesting story. So, you know, it's, it's like at the end of training, you'll, you'll make like, um, you know, eight, 800,000, you know, a million figures, you know, you go into spine surgery or, um, you know, right. you orthopedic very, surgeons are probably the highest tier doctor mm-hmm. in terms of, I think spine, you know, neurosurgeon and orthopedic surgeons in, t- in terms of the hierarchy of who makes the most money, yeah. maybe plastic surgeons and derms also, but oh, yeah. orthopedists are, are in that top three to five yeah. earners. Yeah. They're very right. well, it's very well compensated. So, right. and again, like, uh, like I, I did two, I matched in the uh, Rutgers in 2007 and um, I did two years of it uh, and I was just like, um, like I said, it's like kind of like time is your most precious asset. So I was like, do I want to spend, you know, all this time for this training and not really be passionate about what I want to do? Or do I want to really just take a leap of faith? Because I didn't really have any financial obligations. Um, So it was like, do I want to just take a leap of faith and pursue my creative passions? So that's what I did. So what did you do? Uh, So then I invested in, uh, then I invested in real estate from 2008 um, at the bottom and then all the way up to 2016. So from then I was able Wait, to- Wait, while you were doing orthopedics, you mean? No, uh, like a, after my second year, I 
took a leap of faith and I decided to venture out as a full-time entrepreneur to do it. So you left, you, you left your residency. Yeah, exactly. You did so, two years of residency and then you yeah. said no mas. Yeah, I said. Wait, let yeah. me back up. You have a PhD also. Exactly. When and where did you do your PhD? I did it during medical school. So I was part of the MD PhD program. Wow. So you, when you went to med school, you're like, I'm going to do the whole crazy kit and caboodle. That's insane. It's Uh insane. Yeah. What made you decide to do a PhD? I mean, that's so long, laborious. And what what made you think that? Uh, Well, one thing was... um, And PhDs typically aren't known for making money. So what what were you thinking? So my main, my main thing was that one was that there was a uh, full scholarship for MD, PhD students uh, and in that, so they also, they, they paid for everything. Plus you got a stipend. So the, and to so invest in the market. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then also it makes you more competitive um, for residency. And then the third thing was like my uh, ideal goal for my parents or for my dad was to become chairman. <laughs> he wanted right. me to go into academics and become a chairman or associate professor. Was your uh, dad a doctor? No, he's a, he's a, he's a research scientist. So, so he's a PhD. Yes. Yeah. He's got a, he's got uh, a, a, yeah. So living up to dad. Yeah. So exactly. how many years with, how many years was med school for you then? Uh, well, total was seven years, seven years from start to finish. Wow. So, so four years of med school, three years of PhD. Yeah, exactly. And you finished your PhD. Yeah, finished. Yeah. So, what was your PhD in? Uh, bioengineering and nanotechnology. Oh, cool yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Stuff that you could do business with, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, in my time at Rice, were like the best times of my life because those were the really because um, Rice is very entrepreneurial. A lot of their students do a lot of startups, so mm-hmm. it's almost like living in a small Silicon Valley type situation. So you're like around a lot of creative people, you know, people that are very um, entrepreneurial. So that's how I got the impetus to like, you know, invest in stocks, uh, trade options, get into real estate. Did you ever think about like starting your own kind of company or like? Yeah. So when I was, when I was doing all this, I formally incorporated in uh, 2002. So I started, you know, for more like um, uh, liability, like decreasing tax liability, uh, decreasing But not like, you know, as a PhD, you're like Hmm. learning cool stuff. You never thought of like building your own kind of web company or something. You never had like an idea you were going to do or some kind of technology you were going to come up with. So I I thought about that and I thought about um, that would be a very long and arduous road to take an idea and bring it to market. So what I that what I did was I started learning about um, investing in wealth. So the systems, the processes, the, um, the mindsets, the strategies, because if I learned that and I developed a skill set um, to perfect those, then, then I could become financially free. So I didn't really have to take an idea and, and make it into a, um, a global phenomenon. I just, all I had to do was learn the systems and processes to become an investor to be able to generate wealth. So that was my thinking. What was the first thing you read? What with the first book? Yeah. yeah. I'm curious, uh, like, what were you reading and listening to that like helped the most? Like, do you have any um, what was what was your spark? Yeah. My spark. Oh, uh, rich dad, poor dad. So that was. I knew you were going to say that. I was yeah. going to say that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Rich dad. Uh I wrote. I read um, "Think and Grow Rich" by Napoleon Hill. That that's like the Bible for personal development. Uh, 
the other one is uh, multiple streams of income, uh, creating wealth. Um, and then from there, I just started reading more and more. So, I mean, my, my library is like thousands of books, but, um, but those are like my top choices. When I, anybody asks me what is the life-changing books, those are the ones. What made you actually two years into an orthopedic surgery residency already, already having finished an MD, PhD, uh-huh. what made you say, let me not do these three more years? What, what did uh-huh. something happen or did yeah, exactly. you get into it, a fight with your dad? What happened? No, well, uh, it's, uh, it's a very interesting story. Very, um, dramatic, but, um, so what it was, was, um, my schedule was, um, 40 hours. Some, uh, most of the times I was, uh, you know, working 40 hours, you know, going on fumes, one to two hours of sleep. That was like for my first and second year. And uh, I just, you know, I really, I didn't, I didn't have any passion for it. So the day that Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy, I, I, that was my intuitions calling saying, um, you know, this is your chance to jump to, to, to take the leap. You know, this is your, your chance. Um, And if you don't take that leap, then you're going to miss your destiny. So that was when then I was like, okay, um, I either pursue my passions and my dreams or I live the rest of my life with regret. So that's why I walked into my chairman's office, you know, turned in my keys, badge and pager, and I've never looked back and the rest is history. So, and the funny thing is like, you know, uh, I got into an argument with my dad. He's like, oh, you're throwing your future away. Um, I didn't go home for two years. I didn't talk to any of my family for two years. And that two years I was, you know, becoming an entrepreneur and I was building my company. I, I, I had faith in myself when everybody was telling me I, I couldn't do it. I just kept doing it. And then in 2016, I, I came out and I, I made my comeback. So now I'm, I'm speaking everywhere. I'm on podcasts. I've written four books. So now it's, you know, it's coming to fruition. So how's your relationship with your dad? Yeah. Well, I mean, we made up, uh, I mean, when I, uh, I mean, when I paid off all his uh, debt, you know, that he had accumulated, you know, that sort that, uh, you know, that, <laughs> wipe, wipe the <laughs> yeah. slate clean. Yeah. Wipe the slate clean. So what, so. um, so when you left, had you already amassed some money, uh, when you, you know, as, yeah. as a second year resident? Yeah. I mean, I, I had, uh, I mean, I, I had enough to, I mean, I could live off of that for, you know, five years, six years, seven years. I'm, uh, I live a very simple lifestyle. Um, uh, I can, you know, splurge here and there, but uh, again, everybody was coming from this paradigm where they were, they thought I was crazy because I was throwing away the, an, an entire future where you can make, you know, $800,000, a million dollars a year. But I mean, it's almost like the wall street stock trader where if you're not, if you're not doing it, if you're just doing it, just, you know, for the money, you're going to, you're going to hate it and you're going to hate yourself. Right. So I, yeah. So that, that's, so they they didn't see it from my point. They just saw it from their standpoint that I was just throwing away a million dollar career, and you know it's almost like a violinist like quitting or a, or a sports figure quitting or you know somebody getting injured, um, right. something that you know you know kills their career. So that's how they viewed it. But I viewed it as more as I was uh, going going out to fulfill my potential. So what did you change from the day you turned in your your badge and your gun? What uh-huh. did you change? between from then to the next day? Like, what did you do differently? Because it sounds like a lot of what you were doing, you possibly still could have been doing as a resident. What, what more did you do other than get rid of the medicine? Uh, well, one thing was I caught up on all this, the lack of sleep. It took me right. about 
yeah, it took me two weeks to fully recover from that sleep deficit. Just right. Um, so I did that. Uh, I I took a little bit of a, a travel just to because where'd you um, go? Uh, San Francisco, Miami. Um, you know, around. I also traveled throughout Europe, Southeast Asia, and just you know did a lot of introspection. Right. And, yeah, because that I mean back then it was like sort of if you left orthopedic, you know, you were just looked down upon. It was like you know you're you're in the lowest points of your life. Right. So you know I had to really regroup and think what I wanted to do. So, and then how, how I would plan, you know, my, my, um, rise to the top again. So what did you start with? What, what did you, when you came back? It started with, um, exercise, diet, um, a lot of meditation, getting my mind right. A lot of it was, um, setting intentional, um, being more, um, focused and intentional about where I focus my thoughts and my awareness and what are my intentions and being very intentional about how I spend my energy. away you know and who i surround myself with in my environment um and really basically harnessing the law of attraction so really just uh honing into um the flow and cultivating a um a ecosystem where you have positive inflow and outflow sounds very zen very very zen (laughs) what um what is your brother? What's your relationship with your brother? What does he think about what you've done? Well, I mean, we're we're close. Like we've always been yeah. close as brothers. And does the, he uh, envy you, or or does he <laughs> think you're nuts, or a combination of the both? Well, like like my brother, he's um he's got a personality that's such that um he fits well into the uh, corporate. He can he can thrive in the corporate medical. He he's very he right. can you know play politics and so you know he can do that. Uh, I don't know if he, <laughs> I don't know if he envies me. I mean, he's got a beautiful wife, two kids, you know, he's got a nice house. He's got a good career. So I think he's, he's, in, you know, he's seen the fruits of his labor as well. I don't Does he ever he, invest with you? Uh, no, I, I, we just, I don't invest. Uh, I, I keep, we keep our finances separate. I, I right. do my own investing. So what's been, so, so tell me on this podcast, uh-huh. how do I become successful like you? Uh, well, I mean, one thing is <laughs> go after your dreams. Cause I mean, now is, uh, now the, the opportunity out there, you know, I mean, the barriers to entry to anything to be successful is really small. There's very high margins. Um, so I think really with technology and the way, um, in the information age, really, I mean, people can become, you know, millionaires in their early twenties, you know, in their teens, and there's a lot much more faster ways and ways of achieving a fulfilling life uh, you know one doesn't that doesn't require a lot of uh, sex you know struggle and you know heartache and you know you can really go after and pursue your passions so i'm i'm a big fan of tim ferris are you a tim ferris fan yeah oh yeah i forgot to uh that one book um the four hour work week was also yeah. a good one Talked too about that. Yeah, yeah the value of time that was the yeah. one yeah, yeah that was was really good yeah we've talked about like a uh, job burnout or doctor doctors experiencing burnout. So if uh-huh. doctors are listening and they did want to make a career transition, I know you have a YouTube channel where you go over like the top five mistakes. What would you say is like the number one mistake people make when trying to make a career transition? Uh, not planning ahead. So uh, it, it takes a lot because, you know, medicine is a long process. It's, um, you know, you invest a lot of time and energy. So it's really hard to just quit cold turkey because, um, you know, a lot of physician salaries, you know, are in the 
high six figures. So to be able to walk away from that, you know, takes a lot of planning. So either you cut back on your expenses or you able or you able to generate, you know, that type of income or more uh, through other means. So so it's really starts with planning. So planning, you have to educate yourself, you have to read, you have to talk to a lot of people, you have to start small, get a lot of experience, and you have to slowly transition. And that starts with um, just developing a more entrepreneurial mindset and developing alternative uh, streams of income in addition to your primary clinical income. So what, so what would you tell a, you know, a middle-aged doctor um, who's, who's looking to try to find other revenue streams? What, what are the what, first, what do you recommend? What do you rec- uh, I mean, the two, I mean, the two uh, go-to is uh, I think stocks, is is a I think it's easier than real estate because real estate is a hard asset. So, you know, you're you're dealing real estate is a lot more complicated. So, I mean, the stocks you can uh, easily get into. You can you know buy and sell stocks very cheaply. So those, but stocks and real estate are are the two ways to wealth that I think majority of people in America that you know became millionaires, multimillionaires. That's how they created their wealth. And you think, you know, someone with just a few thousand dollars laying around could, could doing stocks could parlay that into a decent amount of money? Um, it, uh, with a few thousand, I mean. Like say someone has five, hey, I have $5,000. Can I turn it into a fortune or? It's possible. Do you have some recipe that, that can do it? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no secret. I wouldn't say there's a there's no secret recipe um, to success. I mean, I'm not sure if you could take. Five, I've read uh, there's book where there's five thousand, like how I turned five thousand into like a million. That takes you know quite a lot of acumen and financial mm-hmm. acumen. It's easier to take you know your earned income, save it and invest it, put it into like and, and convert your earned income into passive income. That's an easier way. If you have you know if you have five thousand to invest you know, uh, invest in a lot of education, invest in a lot of courses, coaching, uh, invest in networks, getting around the right people. Um, I think that would be uh, the best, the best investment is investing in yourself as well. That's a good point. Investing in yourself. What, what in terms of real estate, uh, investing do you do? I just, I just do single family, just bread and butter, single, single family, buy and hold. Um, that's been my strategy. Buy and hold and then rent out. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, back when I was in med school, there was this, you know, if you would watch TV late at night, I don't, I don't know if you remember it, Lauren, you're probably too young. There was a guy named Carlton Sheets. Do you remember that guy? He was, you know, late night TV, you know, there'd be late night infomercials about some guy, you know, if you take his course, how to buy real estate cheap, you know, and flip it, you know, and they'd have all these people come on, you know, in front of their <laughs> Hawaii homes <laughs> and stuff. And I even, I remember back in med school, I bought the whole Carlton Sheets, uh, you know, notebook and stuff, how to do it. Uh, you know, needless yeah. to say, I, I, I didn't have my Hawaii home, but. Um, yeah, I think people got to be careful. There's a lot of people that want to cheat you out of money too. Yeah. Be careful, like who you. Yeah, you, yeah exactly. You have to, you have to really, um, do your due diligence. Like, that's why I'm, I only invest in my own money and I don't like take outside and I don't invest with others is because of, you know, you have to really do your due diligence. It may take back, it may uh, be slower on the profits, but in the long run, you don't lose as much. So you save yourself um, 
time and money. So, so um, you don't do, you don't partner with people on like deals and things like that. No, I, I do my, I just invest on my own. Um, and if you partnership it and you do deals with others, syndicates, all of those will get generate wealth faster. But again, uh, the risk is that you can lose it all. So uh, right. you you don't have that control. So like I said, it's all, a ga- it's all a game of uh, trust and, you know, how, who you, who you associate with and, you know, who you deal with. Do you find you use your MD at all anymore? Yeah. Um, I was, yeah, I like, um, I do a lot of consulting for hospitals. So I do a lot of electronic record implementation. I participate in a lot of, um, where the uh, hospitals, uh, transition from paper to medical records. And that's, it's almost like being a doctor because you still have, to, you know, you don't participate in patient care directly, but you're helping patient care by um, implementing these transitions. How have you been able to do that? Uh, well, like for example, right now um, I'm I'm doing a consulting project where um, the uh, the hospital is undergoing a major transition, you know, into the Epic system. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of it is that you're working with physicians, you're working with doctors, nurses. Um, and how do you position yourself to, to do that? Where Are you like a Epic or computer? Did you make yourself an expert at that stuff or? Yeah. Well, I mean, as, as, a, as physicians, we all, we all use the Epic or Cerner systems. So, and uh, you know, a lot of hospitals are, are looking for, you know, physicians to actually help physicians because it's the best way. I think if you like, if I were a physician, I would want to be um, helped by another physician because they understand you know, what I'm going through my situation and how they can best help, help me as well. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I like that. But like I said, it's, I mean, it's, it's a, uh, I mean, it's, it's busy. You're, you're working long hours, you know, it's stressful. You have to, you have to communicate a lot. A lot of it's relationship management, managing expectations. And that's how I leverage my medical degree. That's cool. We had on uh, as a guest, did you, did you ever read or hear of the book house of God? That's the one. Is that the one about the intern internship or the yeah story of- uh, yeah from you you know from the seventies about a guy going through um, you know becoming an intern and going into medicine. So we had on the author. He was our, our guest, Doctor Shem, uh-huh. uh, came on as a guest, and he oh, cool. written a follow up to it to that uh-huh. book. And in it, he talks about the electronic medical record <laughs> and how awful it is. <laughs> Yeah. Which it's, to some degree it is, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's really just about ways for the, yeah the, the, the electronic medical record, unfortunately, wasn't really built to truly help the doctor. No, it's all for billing. That's all it is. It's to capture all the charges, all of the billing. So exactly. and that's, that's all it is for. Uh, so it does, it doesn't, it, and I've seen, I've seen doctors where like a simple case, like a, like a 20, 30 minute case. And they have to spend two hours because with these implementations, they have to spend that extra hour and a half to, you know, learn it and, you know, go through all the, yeah. and it's not for them. It's for the CEO. It's just for billing. Yeah, exactly. It, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of old time docs who retired <laughs> because of it, who said, I'm, I'm done with medicine. And yeah. that's it. That's yeah. Amazing. I was doing a, I was doing a, a project. Um, in 2017 and a lot of doctors they just said uh you know it was it was a rough trend and they uh, they just said i'm i'm retiring and then exactly <laughs> and uh, exactly and this year fair. oh sorry 
That's not good. I feel like they're, I keep hearing about a doctor shortage. Dr. Cohen says he's not seeing that, but I don't know, but I'm worried about doctors not wanting to do this anymore. A lot of uh, early career physicians, three years, five years out are, um, are retiring. They're looking for other things to do. Um, I think even with the COVID pandemic, uh, a lot of physicians, you know, because they, you know, got the short end of the stake, a lot of them just quit, they retired. Um, so uh, that's the next crisis is a la- lack of physicians, a short of, sort of shortage of physicians. So um, do you have, um, do you have a lot of doctors reaching out to you and, and, you know, saying, mm-hmm. Hey, help me either get out altogether or. I actually have, um, I actually, I started coaching physicians back in, uh, 2018 and then what uh, what happened was in March when the pandemic hit, a lot of physicians had their salaries and bonuses cut. Uh, a lot of them got furloughed or laid off, uh, and so like I got a ton of requests to help coach them. And really, I didn't I didn't have an, I didn't have enough time, so I formed these group masterminds where I go through um, different aspects or different careers that I've been able to generate income from. So consulting, um, we just I've been doing a. Uh, bootcamp mastermind since July. Um, and it's been very successful. I did a, a public speaking mastermind as well. Um, next, and I'm hosting a series of workshops, uh, later on this year, as well as early next year, just to help as many physicians as possible. That's so, great. How yeah. many people, how many people tend to show up to those? Uh, usually the, I try and keep it small and intimate. So, um, you know, usually 10, 10, 12, People. And you have a whole, you have a whole outline and curriculum, or you're kind of yeah. just winging it as you go. No, it's a, it's a, it's a like a, it's a course curriculum. It has a syllabus. It has, it has uh, homework exercises. It has a, a private Facebook group. So I try and do it where you have a um, online educational resource library, but also you have a live interactive component where you can ask questions. You know, you attend lecture, uh, network with others, and try and design it so that it's very educational and interactive. That's really cool. And do they yeah. have like access to you afterwards if they want it, like yeah. forever access to you? Yeah, they have, they, they have my email um, on social media. There's, the, uh, there's my private Facebook group. So like I said, I try and design it so that's more of like a, like a course. Like that's a, cool. Yeah. What do you charge for that? Uh, it's actually very minimal. So it's like for a month, it's um, it's uh, three twenty five for the whole month, and it includes um, you know, four to five educational sessions. Um, it includes the uh, recordings, so everything is recorded. Uh, you also get um, I send my clients uh, my four books that I've personally written, and I personally send it to them, uh, ship to them for free. Uh, how is writing? How is writing books? How how is it's always been something I've wanted to do is write. How, how, how do you actually do it? Like, when did you write your first book? It, it, you were already done with residence. You already stopped, right? Uh-huh. So what uh-huh. year did you write your first book? I wrote my first book in 2018. So that was a... Oh, so you banged four books out like, bam. Wow. Yeah. So how was writing your first book? What, what was your process? How, uh-huh. how do you motivate? Mm-hmm. Did you I, have a... Did you like hire someone to help you write it or... Mm-hmm. I actually have a uh, four-part series on that. Um, I actually, what it is is, um, uh, it you basically stick to a schedule. So I have a process where I can write, finish a book in in thirty days or less. So with, wow, uh, 
Yeah. yeah so you, do you do that with, with uh, TV screenplays also? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no experience in TV or f- like, uh, like, right. right. Yeah. So my, <laughs> so, so what is, so, ha, so you, you, I'm sure you said you have to write every day, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one hour, write a page a day, two pages at the end of a month, you'll have enough for a book. Did you out, do you outline first? Do you kind of write and kind of see where it takes you? Uh, broad strokes. So you have an outline, you have chapters, you see where it takes you. Sometimes as you write it, you get new, new thoughts, new ideas. So a book is almost like a, it's like a, an organism, an evolving organism. The thing is my first book took me nine months to write. And yeah. my final book took me one month to write. So I know all the ways to shave off time, how to avoid procrastinating. Wow. So really that one, those eight months is a lot of um, just knowing how. And who, who edits it for you? Do, you? do you have an editor that edits it? Yeah. Or you? yeah, I have an editor. Her name is Catherine Galan. And really, like I said, uh, in these days, you know, a, a freelance editor is, is really um, the way to go in freelance writing. So you don't really have to go through a publisher or publishing house if you're using it just to augment and, and enhance your brand. So you wrote, you did it all yourself. You didn't sell it to a publisher or anything like that. No. Uh, the other thing is like, for example, like very extremely busy physicians, you know, they have no time to sit down and, you know, an hour or two to just write. Uh, they can hire a ghostwriter. So it's somewhere um, they pay somebody and they'll share their story and the ghostwriter will write it for them. And right. so for a lot of physicians or um, high income earners that don't have a lot of time, that that's another way to do it is through ghostwriting. Dr. Cohen, yes. you got to write a page a day, maybe on the time. That's yeah. another question I was going to ask you, Dr. Liu. Uh, I was going to ask you about work-life balance. Do you have any tips? We, Dr. Cohen and I aren't sure it really exists. How do you actually get work-life balance? <laughs> well, it's, that's tough. Uh, in today's age, um, with just so many options and distractions and, you know, media, it's hard. And, you know, with careers, you know, everybody, everybody can, you know, pursuing careers. So everybody's um, not following traditional modes, uh, norms. So it really, you have to um, really focus and you have to really be intentional. So, you know, if your focus is on your career, you know, really focus on that. If, you know, focus, I tell my clients to focus on the core aspects. So that's um, their health, their um, wealth, their finances, their career, and their family, their relationships, those three. So you really have to- It's interesting you said family last. (laughs) Well, well, (laughs) you know, know, as you age and you you grow, uh, you know, your priorities will change. So- Right. Yeah. Right. Dr. Cohen, as he's saying these points, I think you've actually achieved work-life balance. Maybe you just don't know it. Yeah. Sounds like you hit on all those cylinders. I, I don't think it's work-life balance. I think it's a work-life juggle and something is always suffering and something's always yeah. doing okay. And you just have to pick and choose what you're going to let suffer and what, what, yeah. what's going to be okay. Like right now, my wife and kids are like, why isn't he hanging out with us? You know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, it's a constant struggle and balance. Yeah. Um, do you have any, or have you had any heroes or mentors or, or, or you've pretty much been able to do this on your own? All, I mean, all my, nobody really took me under their wing. Um, I never had anybody just 
say, you know, come here, I'll show you the ropes. Uh, I mean, my, my dad was always my mentor. So that's where I, um, that's what the bit, the thing I learned from him was just a, a work ethic. So really I can work out, I can outwork anybody, but, uh, like all my mentors came from, from books. So, uh, mm-hmm. the people I admired. So Warren Buffett, I've yeah, I read him. I read all his mindsets, you know, people like Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Tony Robbins, all these you can take in sort of um, use as your mentors. There's an interesting uh, chapter in Thinking Grow Rich on um, the mastermind. And it's actually asks you to design your own personal mastermind, you know, of all of your mentors and who you uh, uh, admire and, and you visualize that. So. But, um, called Think and Grow Rich. That's the book. Yeah. So I, so yeah. I'm going to put that. I, I never read that one, so I'll put that on my list of books. Think and yeah. Grow Rich. Yeah. Remind me, Lauren. Let's let's put that on our list. Okay. Yeah, we'll do. If you had to pick, if you had to pick one book to start with, for someone you know looking to do other stuff, what what would that one book? What 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 would be the starting book? I, I would, my, my starting book was would be Think and Grow Rich. So that that's like that's for that's comprehensive success in any aspect of life. Right. Uh, if you're looking at finances, then rich dad, poor dad, uh, multiple streams of income. Um, so I haven't really like, uh, um, you know, the family uh, relationships, that part, um, you know, that's like you said, it was the like third on my list. So I'm trying to make it, you know, bring it higher. So, you know, try and make it, you know, so it's number one. Uh, and so, I mean, like, it's like, that will take more time and more work as well. Yeah. Where do you live? Uh, Houston, Houston, Texas. Oh, you're still in Texas. Nice. So what, um, one other thought I had was that, um, nowhere in, whether it's in med school or residency or, or there is no education about (laughs) how to make money, save money, earn Mm -hmm. money, invest nope. they zero zero yep and yeah. right yeah yeah doctors have no idea med students have no idea of of anything that you know there's mm-hmm. there's really no it, it's not and and it what's interesting though is i don't know about orthopedists but plastic surgeons and dermatologists when you go to their medical meetings, because my wife is a cosmetic nurse, so I'll sometimes piggyback onto her meetings. Uh A lot of their meetings is about practice building and financing and marketing, which is interesting because it's the only field in medicine that at least when you're finally there does to some degree talk about that stuff. But regular (laughs) surgery, regular medicine, zero. Zero. I wonder if, yeah, I, I mean, I wonder if it would almost be worthwhile to to go to universities, you know, medical schools and say, we have this course, you know, da, 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 you know, mm-hmm. and try to sell it to these, to these universities and things. Yeah. I mean, that's potential. Um, I know there's a lot of activism uh, for medical schools to introduce a course in, you know, finances. So uh, I mean, the only course in finances we got in medical school was uh, our final year. We had one hour lecture on, student you know student loans and and that was it and you know and then they more than i had yeah <laughs> and uh and the interesting thing is just the whole educational model is all um based on teaching you to learning how to go out and get a job versus 
you know, create a job for yourself or create income for yourself. So, um, you know, that needs to be emphasized as well. Hopefully there's like schools for entrepreneurship, you know, elementary, you know, school, you know, gifted schools, you know, as, as they have, um, you know, music art schools, you know, maybe they'll have like schools for entrepreneurship and creativity as well. Yeah. You know, I know, you know, you help put on these courses for, right. For doctors looking for other revenue streams, but it might be, we should do more. We should figure, we should try to figure out a way to, to really offer more, I think. Offer courses. Yeah. And I know a lot of uh, physician coaches um, offer courses for uh, medical students, uh, residents as well. I know there's like a niche, uh, a lot of uh, doctors focus on teaching undergraduates how to get into medical school. And then there's doctors that teach on um, medical students, how to get into residency. And, you know, so there's different niches and different needs in the, in the market segment in the market population. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Are you a, uh, are you a movie pop culture TV yeah. fan at all? What, Usually what do you like? end each podcast with what we're watching for the week or like what new book or anything new that we're wa- like, mainly it's been like streaming on Netflix or Amazon prime, but uh, do you have any recommendations? Uh-huh. Uh, um, I'm a big, uh, movie fan. Uh, I love Amazon prime Netflix. Uh, the, I recently finished the uh, season of uh, Dark. Dark was good. That's oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, is I don't it, know that. Is one. it scary? Dark. It's actually a sci-fi. It's talking about um, black holes and wormholes and going through time. So it looks at you know the different characters through five different lenses of time. So is it fiction though, or is it uh, fiction? Oh, yeah, oh okay. Good. Dark. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, what else? Amazon Prime. I'm going to look that one up. I need a new yeah. show. What else? Um, Let's see here. There's uh, I finished the um, the last dance about the uh, Chicago Bulls dynasty. So oh, good! Yeah. I love I watched, that documentary. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. Uh, you know, I've always been a big fan of uh of the TV shows uh, Billions about the uh, the final. Right. I think it's the uh, was it the billionaire stock the yeah. Uh, my husband watches that show. I can't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the first season yeah. I thought was great. The first season I yeah. thought was great. Yeah, that was awesome. I I love I love um. Bobby Axelrod. Right, right. One of my partners is totally into that guy. He's like, why can't we be more like Bobby Axelrod? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So. All right. Well, those are good recommendations. Anything else, Dr. Cohen? We've taken up an hour of his time. Anything else? No, this is great. I'm so happy you reached out to us. Well, thank you for joining us on Gross Anatomy. Thanks for joining us on Gross Anatomy. Thanks so much. Thanks. All right. Enjoy our conversation. Yeah. Bye. Thanks, Dr. Lou. Great meeting you. Yeah, you take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine. Gross Anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.